Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletics. I'm with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's up, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, dude. I was just thinking. This was a classic example of when people say that's baseball because the Braves lost 13 to four to the Cubs on Saturday and gave up six home runs, right? (laughs) 24 hours later, the Braves beat the Cubs 13 to four and hit, I hit uh, six homers four in the first First inning. inning. Yeah. I mean, I hit five homers to think four in the first inning though against Kyle Hendricks. So, um, there is there another sport where you can imagine a turnaround like that? Two two teams, obviously football players. You're not at football. You're not going to play back to back days. But basketball, for instance, it'd be like an NBA team beating another NBA team by forty, losing the next day by forty to the same NBA team. I mean, it's it's only in baseball, and I think it's for one reason. Obviously, it's the pitcher. So much yeah. depended on the pitcher. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's just hard to hit. You know, I mean. I felt like the offense was due to explode at some point because yeah. they've struggled a little bit this year. But yeah, I don't I don't see too many other sports where you can blow somebody out that is a much better team than you. You know, it just doesn't yeah. really happen too much. Right, right. Because even like football, I mean, you could, the quarterback obviously runs the show and everything, but the game's not entirely dependent on him like it is in baseball. You know, the game's in a pitcher's hand in baseball to such a large degree. Yeah, and I don't know if, like, as a quarterback, you can just not have it that day. Right. You know, like, you can make adjustments and call different plays, but if you're a starting pitcher and you don't have it, it, I mean, (laughs) you still got to keep pitching. You know, you just can't start handing it off and then trying to figure things out. You know, you can throw junk balls and stuff. But, I mean, I thought, you know, Hendrick, he's a great example of how hard it is to pitch with 86-mile-an-hour fastball. You know, he was off by a tick yesterday, and he gives up four homers in the first. He kind of settled in a little bit after that, but still, you know, it's just it, – it makes me appreciate what he normally does because that's yeah. that's what he's up against every time. If he's not perfect at 86 to 88, he's going to get raped. Like Tomlin. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate what those guys do because when yeah. I got down into the high 80s with my fastball, I was out of the game in two years. Yeah, it's like uh, – and if, if a good pitcher doesn't have – like if he has like three pitches and one of them he doesn't have that day at all, like his breaking balls is not working, his change-ups, just, he doesn't have any feel for it. Tom Brady didn't come out and say, I couldn't throw the deep ball today. I just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I couldn't couldn't complete a deep pass, period. I couldn't hand the ball off. I just, I didn't have it. You know, I had to call passes every play. It just doesn't, I it's just a different a game. I could crossing route today. It just might, didn't I, it have wouldn't it. work. Wasn't there. <laughs> um, yeah. But as soon as the game was over, actually before the game was over, 
most of the Braves discussion once the once the outcome was decided, uh, which it was decided by the time Ronald Acuna left the game in the fourth inning. So the whole talk turned to him and how serious his injury is. He left the game after the top of the fourth inning with what the Braves called at the time uh, lower abdominal pains. And afterwards, Snit said he's got a he's got an abdominal strain. I mean, this is still a very general uh, diagnosis because it could be something really minor. And knowing Acuna, he could be back in the lineup. I'm not going to be at all surprised if he's back in the lineup Tuesday at, at Yankee Stadium. They're off no, today. Not one bit. But at the same time, if it's just barely a little bit above that minimal, I could see them holding him out too, only because they're off today, play two, then off Thursday. And if you want to be really cautious with your superstar, you know, one of the two players you really just cannot do without. I could see them holding them out till Friday. If there's any chance of it, you know, of this worsening. Uh, but but again, if he says, I'm fine. If he comes there tomorrow and says, oh, I'm fine. It, it just hurt him. I could see them playing him Tuesday. But we'll see. I mean, I say that, and then they could ask tomorrow he's on the IL. Because if it's worse than, than it looked. But there are reasons to think it's not that bad. One, he was pointing to his, like his belly button area. Not the yeah. sides, not the oblique and the intercostal, which is where on the sides where you run in all that trouble. Guys, the obliques, guys they, they can't move. Like when Billy Wagner did his, he, he could barely stand up after. Right. You know, I mean, he he dove into home however, a couple plays later. Yeah. Yeah. If it's an oblique or intercostal, you know, you're out because that torque. I mean, he, he has so much torque in his swing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Tatis. That's why I was shocked that Tatis got back in 10 days after the sublocation of his shoulder. But he doesn't look – he's still guarding it. He's not letting that that hand off the bat anymore. He's he's keeping both hands on. But uh, – but so – and then the other thing that the reason I – you know, Acuna stayed in the game, obviously, after the trainer came out and talked to him. So that was a good sign. Usually they bring a guy out if it's like Ozzy did. You know, if he can't convince them, he's fine. They, they bring him out. But he stayed in the game. And then – Moments later, he scores on a sack fly, and he does his usual hands-first slide, which I know makes people cringe because they're like, why does he always slide head-first, hand-first, whatever you want to call it? I call it hands-first because he's not leading with his head. He's leading with his hands. Um, but that's why he always slides, and he didn't even have to slide on this play, and he slid. So I'm thinking if his belly's really hurting that bad, I would think he might resort to sliding with his feet for once, and he didn't. Or even not trying sliding, to score, trying yeah. to score standing up, which some yeah. guys do sometimes yeah. when they should slide. They, you know, but he didn't. He he dove, and they got him out after the game, out of the game at that point. But I think it was. It seems <laughs> yeah, to be, well, if you say it hurts, and then you're diving yeah. all over the place. You know, they're like, shit, we got to get him out just to protect him. That's how I took it. As they're blowing his team out. He's playing as hard as ever. He's belly flopping everywhere. He's probably going to be on the bases again. Let's just get him out of the game and make sure this yeah. is okay. And uh, Snit said they couldn't get the test. They, there's a type of test they wanted to have done, medical test, and they couldn't get it done on Sunday night because it's Sunday night. You're in yeah. Chicago, and they're catching a flight right afterwards to New York. So they couldn't send him to the hospital because they'd have to wait. And they said, we're off tomorrow. We'll just get this done in New York. So they're getting it done in New York today. We're not expecting an update because it's an off day, and that's really the Braves usually do not provide off day updates. And 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 it could be late in the afternoon for all I know. I don't know when this exam is. I I just was told today there probably wouldn't be an update till tomorrow. So well, I wish we more had more time today. anyway. You know, just to see how right. he feels for an extra day. Right, right. So we'll see. I mean, I, I 
obviously, let's say worst case scenario, and it is a, a real strain, and he's just a tough guy was able to continue. If he goes on the IL, this I mean, he's carried this offense for most <laughs> yeah. of two weeks. I guess the good sign was would be this was the first game where they really did a lot without him. I mean, he yeah. haven't had another big day all year without him being a part of it. They hit four homers in the first inning, and the most shocking thing might have been his was he wasn't one of them. Yeah, that he didn't do anything. You know, yeah. Um, he went over two with a walk, and they had fourteen hits, season high, and thirteen runs. So that's the if you want to look at a positive, that would be it. And Ozuna had three, three hits. Uh, Heredia had a career day, which yeah. is a great sign because he's filling in for Enciarte, and he stepped up big time. Two home runs. Three hits, two home runs, a grand slam, first of his major league career, six RBIs. Um, I don't want to take shots at the center fielders, but he had they had zero homers and zero RBIs in 15 games. Yeah. He gets two homers and, and six RBIs in one game. <laughs> yeah, he needed that to get going too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I look at it that way that with them riding Acuna so hard. If if they didn't have the day yesterday, you might be kind of a, a little worried about it. But for me, the offense has been due to have a big game and blow up because they did this type of stuff all the time last year. You know, they had they a did. lot of big games last year and they, they really haven't been hitting. Um, I think everybody else can is is primed to fill in for Acuna if he is hurt. But I'm also I'm not too worried about him because like you said, well, I mean, if it if it was really killing him, <laughs> After the first dive back to first base, you're not doing again the same motion again. Yeah, you know, so it's probably just something minor. And and a lot of times with young guys, they don't know the difference between something hurting and an injury. So I mean, things can just be kind of hurting. You know, like you could tweak something minor or hamstring, but when something pops or tears, you know, you have to go through those things to know it. So I think he's learning to at least alert the team and and let them know when something doesn't feel right. But if it was an oblique, he wouldn't have ran around the bases. Yeah. Snit mentioned that, you know, it's probably something he's never felt before because he yeah. looked kind of, he had a look kind of like curiosity yeah. as much as concern. <laughs> he's standing there, the trainer come out and he's kind of pointing to his belly going, you know, you know, it, it almost looked like, you know, I, I don't know what this is, you know. They think about having a body that can hit, you know, opposite field homers, 450 feet, and you can dunk and you have a cannon, you know, I mean, that, that body's functioning well. He, he yeah. probably doesn't have too many injuries, you know, or, or little things going on. Everything's working for him most of the time. Right. He's like, he's, but he's like a Lamborghini though. And he might have just something really small that, uh, yeah, is, he feels it. So. Yeah. Probably feels everything. That's not right. Yeah. Um, like Luis Avalon had never had a cramp before. <laughs> You remember that? And we thought he's been. Assassinated. I thought he ripped his hamstring off the bone and got shot. People were looking on the on the uh, roof, on the roof of the grandstands yeah. to see if there was a sniper up there. Yeah. Way he went down. Yeah, it's cramp. So I mean, that, that, I had that, never seen something like that in my life. First cramp of his life. <laughs> he thought he was dying. First cramp is scary. Yeah. I, yeah. I got my like sleeping, you know, my leg cramped up, woke me yeah. up, it's spasming, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of looked more like what Acuna was feeling. Like, I don't, you know, I don't yeah. know what's going on here, but not, he didn't look like he was in a lot of pain. And maybe he had a spasm in his stomach. You know, he got, he did some serious workouts in the offseason, you know, a lot of abdominal, abdominal stuff. Um, and maybe he's so ripped down there, you know, that you could spasm there. Just like yeah. and other muscles. Yeah. Could, that could have been. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out, but it's not 
it's you don't want him hurt. I know that, but it's oh, not man. the most alarming thing you can see. That's the understatement of the year. You don't want yeah. him hurt. You do not want him hurt. It's such a start. You'd hate for it to be even interrupted by 10 days. Yeah, and then he's got to get going again. Yeah, you know, when, a, when a guy's on the tear, he's on. You want him to ride it out. Historic type start. I mean, he's, leading, yeah. he's a major league home run and OPS leader. He's and yeah. he's in the top three in like everything. You know, you would hate to see it interrupted. Uh, and a shot at 40 40 and all that, which is, you know, not as important as the team stuff, but still, this team can't really function at a high, high level without him. I don't think. Yeah. You know, leading off. He's just so. Freddie's a reigning MVP, but you could argue that that Acuna as the leadoff guy is the guy you can't do without for 10 days. Yeah. You know, both of them are obviously clearly hugely important, but Acuna's. Uh, so last night, um, Ozuna had, had three hits, which for him is a great sign because he's really done not much he's of struggled. anything so far. Yeah. yeah. He had three hits. A couple other guys had two. I mean, it was a big night for the offense. So, if it wasn't for the Acuna thing, you'd have just been ecstatic over the whole thing for the Braves because they, like you said, they've been waiting for a day like this. And the funny thing is, after the Cubs six home or thirteen run game the day before, Snickers said, "I asked Snit, I said, have you been, you know, is your offense still capable of doing something like that?'" He goes, "Absolutely. They're waiting for that to have a game just like that themselves." He said, "We could do the same thing." Twenty four hours later, they did the same thing. Yeah, four 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 homers in the first inning, you know. It's a matter of time. I mean, last week we were looking at all the OPSs in the 400s yeah. and batting yeah. average in the hundreds. You know, that's yeah. that's not who this team is. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard to put that into perspective this early on when you've only gotten that small sample size. But it's a long year, and and they're going to be who they are. It's funny how fast that can change. You know, they were talking about all those OPS. They had OPSs around 400 or lower. You know, a bunch of guys. Yeah. And it's so early in the season that those tick up in a in a heartbeat, you know. I mean, you got uh, you still got guys alarmingly low, but not like it was at all. I mean, Acuna is he's hitting four nineteen with a thirteen seventy three OPS. Sixteen <laughs> yeah. games into this, one tenth of the season gone, he's hitting four nineteen with a thirteen seventy three OPS. Uh, he goes two for homes. five right now, and his average goes down. <laughs> yeah. 14 extra base hits, almost an extra base hit a game, dude. Yeah. Almost as many walks as strikeouts, nine walks at 10 strikeouts, seven homers in 16 games. I mean, that's on pace for 70 homers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- on pace for 30 at stolen bases. So you got to, got to pick up the stolen base pace. Um, Freddie Freeman, he's, he's up a little bit. He's up to 232, but his OPS is 930, you know? His OPS yeah. is like normal because he's slugging 536 and his an OBP, even if he's hitting 232, you'll take the OBP is 394. That's almost normal for Freddie. Yeah, he's, he's got 14. Well, with Azuna walks. not hitting, though, he's not yeah. he's not gonna get a lot to hit because right. that's just how it is. But if Ozuna heats up, then you've got to at least pick your poison. How about Freddie with 13 hits and 14 walks? Yeah. 14 walks to six strikeouts. That's yeah. uh that's a special player there that people will fear. Um, Darno, he's done okay, but not much at all. He'll hit. He he'll hit. Hits. You know, he'll hit. Dansby, he's ticking up slowly, but he's still only at 203 with a 620 OPS. But again, these were OPSs that were at 400 less than a week ago. 
Yeah. He's 620. Ozzy, he was under 400. He's still only hitting 157, but his OPS is up to 615. He's missed the last two games. He got hit high in the calf Friday. That looked painful. Um, it was, uh, he's been, he's, he's taken a beating for about three games. He fouled off a couple of uh, pitches on that same leg and foot. Then he got hit with a slider up the ninth inning, high in the calf. It looked like a knee until you look really close yeah. and realized it was a, it was a calf after Snit said calf. I looked close again and I saw it was high on the calf. So he's been out a couple of games, but they think he could be back Tuesday. They just wanted to be careful with him, but he tried to shake it off, went to first base and, and he's a tough little dude, but he got to first base. And he's like, I can't even walk. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was just, it was just tightening up too much. Um, so he came out and Ahira, Ahira Adrian, Air, Air Adrianza, I think it's pronounced Air. It's not the way it's spelled. Adrianza has really played well in his absence. And, and, and Adrianza had a big night last night. Um, he hit a bomb. He's got, uh, he's ticking up. Yeah, he's he's doing what he did in spring training, basically. He's yeah. doing exactly what they want from a bench guy like that. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, he's ticking up slowly. He's at 230, 607 OPS. Again, he was like three something OPS a week ago. Yeah. Um, still only has one homer, but he's got eight RBIs. Uh, Austin Riley, you, still not doing much. 213 with a 534 OPS. Got one RBI. He's really got to get going. They need a lot more from him, obviously. See, uh, just oh, I just want to see what Adrian's is doing. Adrian's after hitting that amazing spring training that he forced his way on the roster, basically, he is at uh, right now. He's hitting 333. He's only had 21 at bats, but he's hit, he's hitting 333 with a thousand ninety five OPS. Basically, doing what he did in spring training, but he hit 400 in spring training, but. He, He's already got two homers, a triple, and a double, and 21 at-bats. I mean, this guy is a better player than he was. I mean, he's probably at his peak that he was with the Twins. But they obviously would have brought him back if they thought he was going to do this kind of stuff, you know? I mean, this is what you want on utility. This this is a true super utility. We kind of throw that name around too much with Camargo because he hadn't been really super much of the last couple of years. But this is right now is a super utility type guy. But uh, Ender, you know, the shame with Ender's injury is that you know, and I've I'm, I'm I've criticized him as much as anybody, and I will I will happily admit that that he was playing so much better. He got an opportunity with Pache injured, and Pache started starts been pretty dreadful. Uh, he looks a little overmatched at times, but Pache's injury has allowed Ender to get playing time, or did allow him to get playing time. Before Ender again with the hamstring injury pulls up going between second and third on Friday, uh, going. For, got, it was, it was clear at the time that it was a hamstring. Turns out that's exactly what it was. He came out of the game. He's on the IL. You just never know with Ender how long these are going to linger, but it could be out for a while. But the shame of it was the guy was starting to hit. I mean, he was hitting 294, had five hits, 17 at-bats, and was showing signs of life. So the 368 OBP, I mean, it would have been great if he could have kept that up while Pache was out. And Ender would have stayed in the lineup for a while. So that's a shame that he's uh, that he's out, but the other thing is the nice to show some depth to be able to stick a guy in there uh, and get some, get some production from like they did last night. Uh, they, they, they made a big point of adding some guys, you know, a lot of non-roster invitees like Guillermo Heredia, you know, it's a former Met former been with a couple other teams and 
and really stepping up and making the most of his opportunity last night with two homers. Uh, just a career-type day, and it's exactly what they needed with both their center fielders out. So, But anyway, showing some signs of life, a lot of guys, and it's the bra- it's it's long overdue. They've been two weeks. They've been kind of trying to keep their heads above water, and it could be a lot worse. could be the Yankees. I mean, everybody, you know, talked about the Yankees, and every year it seems like we go into the season and everybody's talking about the Yankees. The Yankees are spending money. The Yankees are doing this. The Yankees are doing that. The Yankees are in last place. You know, and everybody in New York is ripping them and rightfully so. So, so I saw, I saw a great uh, quote from somebody the other day. It said, when's the last time the Knicks were playing better than the Yankees? Cause they are the Knicks are the Knicks are and the Hawks right there in pl- playoff teams. And meanwhile, the Braves and the Yankees were in last place. The Braves are now out of last place after last night's win. So Yankees dregs of the AL East right now. And the Red Sox, who the Red Sox, who nobody predicted to do anything have been riding to top the division for most of the first two weeks. So it's just, it's so unpredictable. It's so early, but baseball, man, everybody, you just think these, you think these, this team and that team is going to be so good. And, 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 and they, they're not. And teams we ride off annually continue to be good. So we'll see. And we're only one tenth of the way in, but so far the Yankees have been dreadful, man. Yeah, it's hard to. It's really hard to. It's hard not to put any weight into what you're seeing because it's all you're seeing. But yeah. you know, you just have to remember that it's 162, and nobody. I mean, if I asked you what the standings were after 10 games last year, which is you know right. quite a bit of the season, nobody knows. You know, I mean, it's it's all about where you're at at the end. And last year it was important because last year you could not afford yep. to get off to a bad start in a 60 game season. You couldn't fall five back with uh, you know two with two or three weeks in, and because you're just you you were in a hole. Yeah. This year, it's nothing to be three or four games back, one tenth of the. Yeah. I mean, you can make that up. <laughs> you know, you got all year, and it's, it's nothing to be hitting a buck twenty-seven either. Yeah. Last year, if you were hitting a buck twenty-seven after ten games, you know that was a sixth of your season. Yeah, and if, but and then there was Freddie Freeman who wasn't doing anything for one quarter of the season last year, fifteen games. But yeah. most people aren't Freddie Freeman. <laughs> no, because well, Yelich never got out of that hole last year. No, he did not. Wonder how uh, he's doing this year. He's off to a good start, but he just got hurt. Mm. He's off to a great start. He back, also couldn't afford to get again. hurt last year. <laughs> his lower back yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, you know the team that you know the team that's not disappointing that we're so used to being disappointed every year and, and being hyped and never living up to it. The Mets. The Mets are off to a fast yeah. start, man, and that's and that's including not giving any support as usual to Degrom and his game. They're seven and four, man. They're four and one at home, seven and four. Uh, they got a they got a one game lead over the Phillies in the division. You know, everybody in the division is is kind of living up to expectations, except the Braves and the Nats. A lot of people thought the Braves and the Nats are the best two teams in the division, and they're Braves are seven and nine. The Nats are five and eight. Part of that's a COVID start, but uh, you know, Strasburg's back on the D, the IL, man. Yeah, I worried about him, you know, especially when they were choosing between him and Rendon. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of what you worried about was the injuries. The Mets, man, you know, I, I think culture's a big deal. And there yeah. was just something about that vibe there, even when I was there, that you just felt like, you know, they were going to Mets it. And yeah. getting new ownership, starting over from the top down, uh, could be a big change for them. Stroman looks good. They didn't have him last year. DeGrom's going to be DeGrom. You know, yeah. I mean, if, if the team's healthy and they got the talent, it's just always been kind of just an underperforming thing that you didn't really have an explanation for other than they were doing what they've been doing. 
Yeah, I think a top down is really important in this in this uh, case because the new owner came in, made it clear he'd spend money, and made it clear that you know the past doesn't mean anything. I don't care what happened here. We're we're doing things. We're not going to be this poor stepchild to the Yankees anymore. You know, I'm going to, I got, I got more money than the Yankees owners do and I'll spend it. <laughs> so when the players see that it's different when you change GMs, when you bring in a former agent to be the GM and you expect to change the culture, this guy changed everything, you know, from top down, they've changed everything. They got Alderson, they got all this stuff. And I know they got the ugly incident going with the. Uh, former uh, GM, right? Right, right. But that's that relate to this team and how they're playing on the field. I mean, that might be an ugly thing on the side that yeah. they have to take care of PR wise, but it doesn't affect the players. No. And the players are playing with a new freedom and confidence and knowing their owner is going to take care of stuff and spend money if they need to. And yeah, they they they've they've actually changed the culture for once, which yeah. they never did before when they made all the different moves and kind of kind of moved the furniture around before, but they didn't uh they didn't change, you know, change the deck chairs and the Titanic, but they didn't, they didn't change the inner core of it. And they still had bad ownership. Yeah. Not anymore. And that all filters down. You know, I mean, it's whatever pressure the ownership's putting on the GM, how they're treating them, you know, it's just a tendency to treat the people below you like that and be just as uh -huh. frustrated with them. But, you know, I mean, it's, it definitely affects your mindset as a player, especially if you get to like the trade deadline or something. And, yep. and, and, you know, maybe you could, you could get John Lester, but he's going to cost too much. And, you know, no offense to Paul Mahomes, but Paul Mahomes comes walking through those doors. You yeah. know, you, you're getting this big uh, trade acquisition you're looking at. And when you feel like your, your ownership or your GM doesn't give you that piece you need, you know, it's, it's kind of a downer. But the stuff they did going out and getting Lindor and then already signing him, you know, I mean, it just it affects the mindset of the team. Like, you know, if you need that piece, you're going to get it. Yeah, and it's by the same token, uh, and I think it that coupled with the Yankees' terrible start, I think that's really helped the Mets too because they're like, "This is our chance, man. We're we're ta we're the top of the back page right now. We can be the team uh, right now. We're the best team in the city, and let's take advantage. Let's run with this. You know, it's not like in the past where they're just waiting for things to crumble, something to go wrong. Yeah, it's different. So, and you I feel big time them. being a New York team. You know, I mean, when you're getting all that hype, you you always get more uh, media attention. You're going to yeah. be on more of the highlights. Uh, I mean, that that definitely boosts your confidence, especially when things are going your way. It's more and pressure four, when you're not. But yeah, they're four and one at home. I know the crowds are loud there, even though they're yeah. small. Um, they're, they're, their fans are loud, waiting to win. So, well, they feel like you know they they feel like it's a fresh start too. You know, they got yeah. a fresh reason to believe. So I'm sure they're bringing more energy. The Phillies, by the same token, they've uh, they've changed the culture there a lot too. Last year with the manager getting a new man, a real manager, and bringing in Dombrowski, man. Yeah, Dombrowski's a winner, dude. Uh, yeah. Say what you will about Dombrowski, he's a winner. You know, he might have made some bad trades and all because he's because he's ballsy and he's aggressive as hell, but he's a winner. I mean, he's won. He's won everywhere he's been, including the Marlins with a World Series in '97. You know. He won. He won the Tigers, couple of pennants, and he obviously won with the Red Sox. And he ain't he ain't going somewhere to lose in his last stop, probably of his career. So they no. made moves to fix the bullpen right away. It's not fixed, but the back end is is a lot better for sure. Uh, they they put out a lot of money to Brisson Real Muto. Bryce Harper is off to a good start. He's playing like Bryce Harper should. Yeah. So. There are no pushovers and everybody waiting for them to crumble. I don't know if it's going to happen. You know, they got good starters. 
They had a couple of three good starters. They're seven and two at home right now. And that could be a real tough place to play when they're playing well. They're fans too. Oh, it's the they'll, toughest. Yeah. yeah. That's a they'll tough boo place like to play crazy. when they're doing well. They'll boo their guys, but they are also really behind them when they're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough that that's a tough bullpen to warm up in. You know, because you're you're right by the fans there and there's a beer garden imagine. back there. I mean, that's that's one of the toughest pens to warm up in. I mean, it, it definitely gets you amped up. But back when they had, you know, they were on that tear and they were selling out every game. Yeah. I don't know if there was a tougher place to play. You, you just always yeah. felt like they were going to put something together. But, you know, with Philly, I kind of question um, Harper's leadership ability. Uh, I think we talked about this in the past that he hasn't really won, even though he's had the talent and leaves Washington. They win a World Series. Um, but he's playing Real well. Muto, I think Real Muto is important for him. Yeah. Yeah. Having another guy that's an established star, a veteran presence, you know, that takes some of the uh, attention away from him and kind of that's not, it's not about bullshit, about wearing the cute cleats, you know, in the warm up line. Real Muto's just, uh, yeah, just a hardcore play. He's <laughs> yeah. there to play. Yeah. You know, let Harper do all that, that pretty boy stuff, you know, with the, with the, the appealing to the mascot and all that. But I think when he sees Real Muto's here just to play ball, I think that's got to be good probably for Harper. I think that can rub off on him having another guy like that. Yeah, yeah it's re- definitely really good for you to see guys that don't care about all the distractions and the outside stuff going on. You know, I mean, and, you see your minor league guys come up all the time, and the first thing they're worried about is if they got the right colored cleats for the game and all these yeah. little tiny things. You're like, dude, your head's in the wrong place. You got, you got to try to get a Cunha out tonight. And I know Baum has had a couple of really bad games here in Atlanta with the errors. So the race fans though. maybe haven't seen the best of him, but he's a good player, dude. Yeah. He's he a hell play. of a player. Yeah. He can hit. Yeah. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Biggest surprise in the in the National League, besides the Braves in last place, but I think we've seen them daily. We know how fast that could change, but I think from from a national picture, looking at the division, the biggest surprise is the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, I mean, they their offense has been <laughs> Jesus. They're seven and two at home, which is no shocker considering that ballpark, Great American Small Park, two and four on the road. Um, they're getting some. I mean, their offense is scary. When when they get clicking, they're they're rolling, man. Almost any offense is scary in that park. But, yeah, you know that gives you confidence even when you go on the road after you had a great homestand. You know, I mean, I think that a lot of times those parks that are really tough to hit in, guys take that on the road too and try to do too much on the road. You get your homers at home, you know, you go on the road and just hit. And I think if any if anything, the the first 
two and a half weeks has solidified the Dodgers status as the best team yeah. in, the, in the league, man. I mean, they're just, they're the best team. Padres, Padres are going to give them a run for their money, but I think they're a year or two back. I do too. I do, at least a year. I mean, we'll see what happens in the offseason, but the Padres are not ready right now. Hell, the Giants are ahead of the Padres right now just yeah. because uh, uh, winning percentage points. But, but they played a great series out there yeah, this that, weekend. Those that were game good games. That was on TV that ended at 2.30. I stayed up for the entire thing because it's like you're committed. You know, you get to you get to extra innings and you're like, I'm not turning it off now. And that was a great yeah. game. Yeah. What have you thought? Were you as shocked as I was that Tatis got back in 10 days from the sublocation of the shoulder and then homers in the first game? I was shocked he homered because his swing's different. Yeah. He's not letting go of that, that um, top hand staying on the bat now. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's still swinging hard, but he definitely had some. He's he's got some timidness to his swing. Some damage that, there. Yeah, I, I think he's just he's just guarding it still. Which I mean, that's your call as a player whether you want to go out there at seventy or eighty percent or go out at right. hundred. But a series against the Dodgers, you know, I mean, it's a good sign that that your guy is 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 trying to get back out there as soon as possible. But he did. He looked different to me. His swing didn't look the same. Correct me if I'm wrong, but those are the type of supplication injury where doctors will tell you, okay, you can keep playing with this. It's eventually going to get to the point because it'll happen again and again. It'll get stretched out, the ligaments, and eventually you have to go in and tighten it up surgically, right? Isn't that what happens with that? I think so. I mean, I I know Bellinger did it, and he came back swinging just as hard as ever, and he's been fine. But, yeah, I mean, I don't don't know the – that injury too well, but yeah. I just Those guys watching shoulders him pop out. They pop out. They'll keep popping out. It might yeah. not be again this year. It might be two, two or three times this year. And then in the off season, the doc says it's going to keep happening unless we're going to tighten up the whole thing. Yeah. So that's, that's the impression I get The people are saying uh, he's back, but it's still, it's still hurt. And or he's just aware of it, you know. I, I mean, I'm sure it hurts pretty bad when you do it. It looked like it did, and and you can't. No one, it could happen again. No one, it's there. No one, it could happen again, and you can't help but guard it in a sense. But that's kind of what's so tough about the majors is, I mean, he's hitting in the, in the hundreds. But if you're not a hundred percent, even the yeah. best players can all of a sudden be playing at a triple A level. And the majors is just relentless because you're playing every, every day. day. You don't yeah. have a week to. I mean, football players feel like they were in a car wreck. They all describe it as it's like being in a violent car wreck. You yeah. wake up Monday and you feel, and, they, and they don't practice. You know, you can't practice Monday. They have the day off. A lot of times they don't practice Tuesday, but yeah. they have walkthroughs or they, or they have meetings. I mean, so it takes them two or three days to even, because when they have to play, like football players are pissed in the NFL when they have to play Sunday and they have those schedules where they have to play again Thursday for TV or whatever. Oh, like, I bet they feel miserable. Oh, God. Can you imagine putting your body through that? Maybe but a starting pitcher a, goes gets four days off. <laughs> yeah, but they have, have anybody. They have a week to recover. Football players do even so. Even recovering from a violent car crash, by you know late in the week, you're going all right. Let's get it together and play again. Baseball, you're like you're playing again. Sometimes twelve hours later, you know. Usually, and if you if you do a little injury that needs four or five days off, you you might have to go on the DL in baseball because you got to fill that spot. You can't afford to have a guy sit out that long. Football, right. at least you got that time to kind of nurse it and, and try to get it feeling to a percent. And then that one day you push it and you know you're going to get some more rest. But baseball is every day. And I think that the 10-day IL helped with that because with 15, they're always yeah. having teams have always got forced to make that decision. Like, 
He's one of our best players. We can't do without him. So if he's going to be out four or five days, we're not going to put him on the DL. They're going to wait. So they go shorthanded for four or five games. And then if the guy's not ready, then you got to make the decision then, all right, do we retroactive and put him, you know, or do we, we can't keep going without a, you know, shorthanded on a 25 man roster, but he's so important. So you're always weighing that. And it was a little easier to make those calls when it's 10 day. Way easier as a player too. You know, I yeah. mean, if before you even walk into the training room, especially if you're struggling or, or feel like you're just getting hot, mm-hmm. you know, before you walk into that training room, you're thinking, you know, if this is a big deal, I got to go on the 15 day. So now you're out two weeks and you miss two right. weeks, you know, it might take you another two weeks to get, Lock yeah. back in again. So when it's only 10 days and they tell you you're going to be out five or six, a 10 days is not a bad thing. But when it's 15 and it's five or six, you know, that's an extra five, like 10 days that you don't yeah. want to miss. So I think it makes it easier for players to be more upfront with their injuries, too. Yeah, 15 days, that's a tenth of the season. Yeah. And then you got to get back into it. 10 day, maybe you're only going to be out four or five and then you can play, you can go up and play, you know can't do triple again, play at the alternate site for three or four games. So you really only yeah. miss about five days. You maybe jump right back in and pick up where you left off. But 15 yeah. days, yeah, it's it's tough. Statistically, it's hard to miss a tenth of the season. Then you miss any more, then you're then you're getting, you know, then you start moving to a fifth of the season. So yeah. Um so yeah, that that's the big surprise to me was the Reds in the in the in the in the NL. Over in the AL, obviously the biggest surprise is the Red Sox. I mean, everybody had them last in the division, the Yankees winning the division. It's flip-flopped, you know? I mean, can the Red Sox keep it up? I don't know. But, I mean, today they just hammered Lucas Giolito in the first inning of the Patriots. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so early. (laughs) There's so much time for it all to level out. What, how can you explain, though, these pitchers that have these outings, like really good pitchers like Lucas Giolito – Max Freed had his. Uh, Hendricks, you explained that. It's a guy that throws 88, so if he's a little off, it can happen. But a guy like Giolito or a Freed, they didn't have a start even a, a fourth that bad last year. You know? Then you come out, you just don't have it to that degree. You're just getting up with bombs. Well, they played a doubleheader yesterday, too. So you don't want to take him out too quick when he doesn't have it, so you're more likely to give up more. But he gave it a lot up in the first. I mean, you just – that's what I was talking about. start, too. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, that that's tough. Um, but that's tough for the hitters, you know. I mean, yeah, especially they played like yeah. two games yesterday. Uh, it's hard for everybody, but that's the thing, man. Is it's like some days you just don't have it, and I, I appreciate the guys that go out and get shelled and get it over with quick versus the guys that nibble and yeah. and wind up walking five or six and still going an inning or two. You know, the guys that at least keep firing and trying to get through the outing. But that's just baseball, man. Like, there's just days where you just don't have it or the lineup's locked in or it's a bad matchup. I mean, there's, there's really no explanation for it. You just got to be good at putting it behind you. It's so funny. We, we pick all we pick all these, everybody spends so much time and breath talking about uh, the division races, picking them all before the season starts. Look at the AL standings right now. The Red Sox lead the AL East. The Royals lead the AL central, Right. Yep. Rosalie, the AL Central, the White Sox are two games behind the Royals. And the AL West, the Mariners. Your Mariners lead the AL West, and the Angels are second. Yeah, I mean, that's that more than anything just emphasizes the point that nothing, none of it matters yet. You know, right. for me, it's there's so many games left, it'll, it'll level out. And, yeah. you know, every once in a while, there's a team that jumps off to that hot start. But I felt like when I was with the Braves, the Marlins were in first place in May. Yeah. Every year, 
and you know we knew it the media knew it the players right. knew it the fans knew it that they weren't going to keep it up and it's just every once in a while you see a team that really turned the corner and, and and they stick with it you know and they stay up top but most of the time it's just you know a fluky thing and small sample size but if you had picked uh the Red Sox and the Mariners as two of the first, let's see, four teams to 10, 10 wins. <laughs> we got some good odds on that bet in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Um, about all so you're not, for, real, you're not real confident the Mariners are going to hold off the Angels, but especially the Astros in the division and the Athletics. But no. I'll take the Strohs in that one. I don't know. Yeah. The Angels might find, you know, Perry, you talk about changing the culture. Perry Manasian. When he yeah. went out there, I said, when he went out there, I said he'll do a great job there. People that don't know Perry Manasian don't understand what a baseball guy this guy is and what an incredibly personable guy he is. He could talk to anybody. This is the kind of guy that he could be a salesman, a CEO, whatever Perry Manasian is going to do, he's going to be successful at it because he is one of the more personable dudes I have ever met. Yeah. And he it's trickling down. You know, he you talk to him and you come away going, all right, we're in good hands, boys. This dude knows what it's about. Yeah. He's a guy. He's a dude's dude, but he's but he's also really into the analytics. He's he embraced it all, you know. But he's old school. He's been around baseball. He's, he was his dad was a club clubhouse. Uh, he was a clubhouse manager with the Rangers. So Perry and his brother grew up in a clubhouse. Literally, you know, they're four or yeah. five years old in the clubhouse. So he's known all the great players. I mean, he's known the Nolan Ryan's, the Bo Jackson's, everybody in his life. He's got to know these people and become friends with them. But he, he knows I, how players tick. Yes. He could talk to players. They love talking to him. And having him as a GM, that was a great move by the Angels. A great move. And people that didn't understand when they hired him, those of us who've had a chance to talk to him and meet him over here, we were we like, right away. Yeah. stroke of genius right there, doing that. Yeah, I mean, you look at any work environment, if the boss is a dickhead, you yep. know, there's employees underperforming that want to quit. And if you go on a baseball field wanting to quit, you, you're done. You know, there's, yeah. there's not a lot of guys. There's some guys that can hate baseball and be negative. Like Adam Dunn talked about how he hated baseball every day. Yeah. And then you go hit a homer. You know, I mean, there's some guys that can ride that negative train. But most guys, I mean, you, your mental state has to be pretty good to perform out there because it's so mentally challenging. Yeah, and the Braves, uh, they're in good hands with uh, with Alex Andopoulos because you're talking about that work environment. You can't meet a, a a coach in the you know obviously the, the ones he let the one he let go this winter, but the coaches and the and the and the uh, assistants under him all that all talk about how he lets them do their jobs. Yeah, and that was a problem when Frank was here. You know, say what you want about Frank, he was a smart guy, but. People below him didn't like how he micromanaged. People don't appreciate when you feel like you are looking over the shoulders and correcting their mistakes as you see them or, you know, just not listening to their advice, you know? Yeah. Sherholtz was, they loved Sherholtz when he was riding high as the GM here because he delegated duties and all the people under him said they let him do their jobs. And that's what Anthopolis is really, uh, lets the lets his assistants do their jobs. And the coaches, obviously, he, he's turned that over to Snit and his coaching staff, and they really appreciate that. So it's important, man. That it, It's so important, a guy you have in that in that position. Well, it's just, you know, it's just leadership, you know, and it's you can have a problem with some with the way somebody's doing something. And there's a million different ways to present it. And some people just choose a blunt, you know, kind of yeah. 
the challenging, just, you know, cutting somebody down when they do something wrong, or you can ask them if they need somebody, any help or yeah. you know, how they're going about it or what their thought process was. And that position of power, you know, I mean, you don't ever want people below you to resent you. You want them to know you have their back. And that that's, the, you know, that we talk about Bobby Cox all the time, but Bobby never gave me or any player a single negative vibe. He always had your back. He picked you up and you could give up seven runs the next day. He'd pat you on the ass and tell you, let's go today. You got him. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's amazing what a difference that makes in your mindset versus when you take the ball. And, and I had this one manager, he, I was struggling, but he would hand me the ball like this. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Well, I know how he feels, but when that's the guy that, you know, you're trying to go out and, and battle for, you know, I mean, it just sets a negative tone. You know, I mean, he'd just hand me the ball and kind of shrug and yeah. y- y- I could tell he wasn't excited. It was like, I had yeah. to make this move. Yeah. Here you go, dipshit. Go mess the, the game up. There. You know, I have no faith in you. But, you know, when you're pitching with Bobby, you could hear him clapping and, and yelling your name from right. the dugout and it'd be like a reminder that, you know, yeah. this isn't about me. I'm trying to get this done for the team. So, I mean, team that stuff could- matters. Team could have been down 10 runs and you'd hear Bobby in the dugout from the press box. All right, kid, let's go. Let's go, kid. <laughs> yeah. Relentless. I got a video of Bobby at a 13 to one game. We're blowing out the Diamondbacks. There's nobody on base. There's two outs. And I throw a backdoor slider to a, a dude on the Diamondbacks. And it, it was a check swing and he went. And I got a video. I keep it on my phone just to remind me. Bobby throwing his hat down and yelling at the umpire. You know, I mean, that that's just how he was. He always wanted you to do well. But, yeah, I mean, he, he always had your back. And Snit learned from at Bobby's knee because he picked up all that stuff. He knows that yeah. vibe. He and the biggest thing is people say about Snit is he knows how hard this game is. He, yeah. he was a player that didn't get very far past double, didn't get past double A in the minors. Played his tried so hard, worked so hard, and was so good at the you know in, in college and all that. So then he gets some pro ball in double A, and he realizes there's so many guys better than me. This game is hard. Yep. Gives you a but much better perspective. Uh, I think that's the reason why there's so many great managers that weren't great players. They, yeah. they understand. Yeah. And some guys just, you know, a lot of times it is the better, the better players that didn't happen to go through those struggles. That's why they don't make the best coaches. But I mean, it's easy, you know, it's easy for me. I can watch a game and be like, that's a stupid pitch or, you, yeah. you know, I can watch it now and you just forget how hard the game is and how hard yeah. guys are working and trying. But that's the most, probably the most important thing as a manager is to remember, how hard it was. So the guys that sucked and didn't make it, you know, it's easier for them. Talking about that culture with the front office and how important that can be. And people don't understand sometimes how important it can be, who the, who the general manager is and the pre, you know, when, when, when they get a negative vibe from those guys, the, the, the one I'm always reminded of is John Hart, who was a good baseball man. I mean, obviously one in Cleveland and all that, but came over here and things went South and, manager develops a relationship with his players. And if it's, and if it's a relationship like Snitter, ha- like Snicker has with his players or like Bobby had with his players, you can, can you imagine it would have never happened with Bobby because Bobby would have punched a guy. It would have never happened. A GM would not have come in and chewed Bobby out. He had too much, too much stature. It would not have happened. Yeah. Can you imagine if there had been, say a new GM came in and Bobby was still was hanging on at the end and had yelled at Bobby in front of, and, and the players heard that. Can you, can you imagine how how the players would have come to Bobby's defense and how pissed off they would have been? Well, it happened with Snit. You know, he's a young manager. Having, what was the you know, his, what was the play? What was the what was he mad about? It was a it was a uh, a pinch hit. God, who, did he pinch hit Matt Kemp? He pinch hit somebody. It was a bad matchup or whatever. 
And he had made a, what a, a pitching change like the day before that, that Hart and Coppola didn't, didn't, also didn't love with. things were going South and that, so yeah. they were second guessing it. And Point it didn't fingers. look like, didn't look like Snit had much job security, that kind of thing, you know? And, and John Hart came into club, came into clubhouse in the manager's office, but they could hear this clearly in, in the clubhouse and he chews out Snit and he's yelling and cussing and, Nick Marcakis is out there and he's all he could do not to go in and fight John Hart. And he said, he told somebody afterwards, you tell, he told somebody, you tell John Hart, if he ever does that again, I'm going to punch him. You know? <laughs> and he told him, to, he told somebody to tell John Hart that he said that. He'd that do he it too. That, you know? So that right there said a lot about the relationship that Snit has with his players, but also how they can lose respect for the people making the decisions. So there's just all yeah. this animus building in a clubhouse when things aren't going well. If you don't feel like everybody's on the same page and people are backstabbing and they're not all trying to help each other, you know. Yeah, it did, you you create that finger pointing culture. You know, I mean, you, you just everybody has this lack of accountability. They're saying it's this guy's fault, that guy's fault. You know, that just, you know, I've, I've talked to guys that were in those bad organizations that felt like they were just punching a clock. And you look at their numbers when they were there. And they're down and then yeah. they come over to somewhere else where they're happy and they, they, they shoot up because, you know, at the end of the day, it is a game and then you're not going to move the same when you're, you're unhappy or tense or feeling extra pressure. Then there's already so much pressure in the game to begin with. You know, you don't yeah. need somebody on your ass. Like, you know, if this is every, every player's dream to do this their whole life, it's not like they're not going to go out there and try. Right. right. So that added pressure is just, it's just not necessary. And, and, and these kind of fights happen all the time between managers and general managers because that's a high, it's a high tension, it's a tense environment. And if things are going, not going well, these are guys making a lot of money and their team's got to win or they're going to get fired. One of them's going to get fired. So this, this happens all the time. And, and even with winning teams, it happens, but it happens behind closed doors. It doesn't yeah. happen where the players can hear it. You got to no. be smart about that. Like when I covered the Marlins, Dave Dombrowski and Jim Leland had it out a lot of times, but they yelled at each other because Leland would yell every bit back as much as, you know, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he wasn't going to back down, but they, they, that was part of their relationship. And when Dombrowski goes to Detroit, who does he hire? He hires Leland to manage. So yeah. it was just part of it, but you just didn't do it in front of the players. Especially That's another side of leadership Smith. too, though. It's not taking it personal. Especially you know, let things like get here and tuck it away the next day. Right. And, you know, Marquez and them had seen Freddie get fired before Snit. They love Snit. He comes in. They love him. He's doing – they love the job he's doing. And then you got the general manager or the president of baseball ops yelling at him. It was just too much, you know. Yeah, and but Marquez this, made it known. And he made same it time, Marquez isn't doing that if Snit's being a dick to guys and, and blaming exactly. them and, and calling guys out and saying stuff he shouldn't. You know, I mean, it's, it's definitely – you know, it's easier said than done creating that atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple other things. For, uh, Chris Martin – He's not, he's not throwing yet, man. Or at least he wasn't as of yesterday. It's been uh, not, a little over not a week. A good sign. Not a good sign, man. Um, I mean, I don't want to read too much into it, but if he's not throwing, I mean, it's a guy that just cannot be, stay healthy. He's, he's, he's so good when he's healthy, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy for extended periods. Some guys just have that bug, you know, I mean, it doesn't seem to add up or, or they don't do anything different than everybody else. Yeah. They're doing all the same workouts. They're pitching the same amount of times and body just can't tolerate it. And, but, and I've always thought there's a reason why there's not a whole lot of six, seven, six, eight pitchers too, you know, a lot of exposure hard. for those long limbs and, yep. and ligaments. Yep. Yep. Yeah. When he said, you know, when he said tingling in the fingers, um, mm -hmm. 
that can happen on a cold day. Sometimes, you know, your nerve can get a little irritated, but it's going to be something with the nerve, whether it's your, your UCL is torn and, and the nerves kind of wearing the stress or, you know, something else going on, but it's nerves, man. Shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. If it's going all the way down, that could be, that's that, um, thoracic outlet syndrome is an option for that too, which mm-hmm. is no bueno. Not good. Faulty had that. Yeah. Um, Soroka, still a few more days from it, from the end of his two-week shutdown, so there's nothing to report there yet. He's not throwing yet, uh, but they they're, they they have high hopes for that. They don't think that that was anything serious, just a matter of pushing it. We came back, and like you said, it might end up being a good thing for <laughs> yeah, him. So. I like it. As long as they have him back by, you know, a little before the All-Star break or so, that's huge for them because he could be such a bonus for them down the stretch if, he's, if he can get back to close to 100% in the second yeah. half. There's been a few few guys getting banged up. It'd be nice to have him, but he's. It's not like last year where you're just riding one dude and desperately help. You know, just needing help. That yeah. there's a lot of guys that you can. I think Max will turn it around. You know, Charlie's looked good. He's just had that one bad inning. Smiley's hurt too. Yeah. Um, Wilson. I didn't think Wilson looked bad last night. You know, I mean, he didn't look great. He hung a couple breaking balls to yeah Rizzo, but he battled. You know, he I mean, settled down real quick too. Yeah. I mean, after that first inning, I thought he showed something, yeah. which he, he showed, showed a lot. lot. Of. He's, yeah, shown he's shown that a lot, and you can count on that with him. Training too. Yeah, he does not get. Tur- he doesn't. It, things don't. The fault. The bottom doesn't. The floor doesn't fall out from underneath him like it used to. No, like it still does with Kyle Wright. Yeah, yeah, he showed me something last night, and uh, Inoa the day before had his first really bad outing that we've seen in a while, gave up six runs and four innings. But I think he's one of those guys that if one of like Snit said, he's a three pitch pitcher. And if one of those pitches isn't working, the changeup wasn't working. They can narrow it down. Yep. It's just hard and hard. Yeah. His slider was, wasn't great either. He just, he's another yeah. time. He just pitcher didn't have it. And yeah, if you're a relief pitcher and you don't have it, it's, <laughs> You know, you get two hitters and you're out. Right. When you're a starter and you don't have it and there's five, you know, you're expecting you to get through five. You go out there and give up three in the first or two yeah. in the first or four in the first. And you got to keep trying to go out there and at least get through three or four. And and sometimes guys make the adjustment and settle in like like Wilson did yesterday. And yeah. other times it's it's not happening and, and you just wear it. Freed, uh, they're still hoping he only misses one start. And that's because they had two off days this week in the schedule. So it's not like he'd be back in five days. He's obviously on the 10-day IL. But they only play eight games in that stretch. So theoretically, you could stick him at the back of the rotation. And he only misses one start, technically. But they don't know if that's – Snit said, we just don't know yet. He's not uh, – I got a feeling it's going to be a little bit longer than 10 days with him. Yeah. With a hamstring. So uh, people thought that that was just a convenient way to get him on the IL. No, he was. It was actually a hamstring. I mean, he did it running the bases. You know, it wasn't. They if they're gonna fake it, they're gonna just say you know, a little soreness in his arm, arm fatigue, whatever. They're not gonna make up a hamstring and have him go get an MRI or lie about him going to get an MRI. That just yeah. Yeah, I mean, if it's a guy out of options or somebody that's known to struggle, you know, I mean, I think you ask those questions a lot more. But uh, that team wants Freed to turn it around. They yeah. they would have loved for him to make another start and and keep getting opportunities. He, I'm not as worried about him. He's not a guy I see like just falling off either. a cliff and you know what's wrong with him, and you never get answers. I think he just went through a rough stretch. Jeff Passon on his podcast pointed out the league wide batting average in MLB is 233 now, and strikeouts are way up once again. He said the pitching and hitting imbalance is stark. Um. 
so that's what's weird though is then you have outings like we just talked about you know that are pitching as bad as ever i don't know how much of it, i don't know how much has to do with balls i don't know what it is i i don't know i, I was thinking have, the balls because they put be thicker seams on them balls. they said that the seams are a little thicker and that's going to give you a better breaking ball it's going to up the punches and the ball is going to carry more and ride more when you get those four seams pulling back so I've I've kind of thought that when I've seen all those strikeout numbers that like look at a guy like Curry Kimbrell they change yeah. the ball and all of a sudden he's punching everybody out again you know I mean I think that could be a factor guys let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show this episode is brought to you by Shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Before we go here, let's talk a little bit about a guy you've met and a subject that you know about, triple-A ball, minor league ball, Sean Kazmar Jr., this is uh, this is one of the better stories that's that we've had in in a while here. One of the more uplifting stories. This guy, what he's been through. He came back and played. He got called up or added to the forty to the major league roster and and uh, and and called and recalled to the major league team on uh, Saturday. Got a pinch hit appearance. The significance of this, it had been over twelve years since so his last. Shot major league appearance, which was the, it's been like decades, seven decades since somebody went longer between appearances. It was like longer than central page went between appearances. And the difference is he kept playing through the whole time. He was in triple a the whole time since 2013. He's been at Gwinnett, which doesn't happen anymore. You don't have those kind of players anymore in the minor leagues. You know, he's in his, he's in his mid late thirties now. But he's a guy that is so beloved in the organization. Yeah, he does everything be. the right way that they've brought him back again and again and again on these minor league deals. And he's still a good player in, in AAA. And he's so valuable to the organization to have him, having him around that they've kept re-signing him. But here's a guy that's been in AAA since he last played with the Padres in 2008, in September 2008. And he and Wade LeBlanc, who's with the Orioles now, are the only two active guys left from the last game he played with the Padres and the Dodgers that had guys like Matt Kemp and Nomar Garcia-Para and Jake Peavy and Greg Maddox were on those teams. And here he is, still playing, and he got a chance to come up and pinch hit Saturday. He's still on the roster. He could play at Yankee Stadium if he's not if he's not dropped from the roster before then. Um, an infield that could play – Everywhere in the infield and and has to if he has to, he can play the outfield. But 
just what can you say about a guy that's stuck around that has that kind of perseverance that to, to live his dream, to get back to the big leagues and have his, he wanted to see his little kids one and almost two years old and five years old, wanted to let them see him play in the big leagues. And he's still not done. He said, he's going to keep playing. Uh, I'd be Biden, you know, I'd be trying to get that president a used car sales job right now. You know I mean? I would have been done a long time ago, working my way up a new career. Cause I don't think people understand how difficult and how much harder it is to perform in AAA with, you got four thirty wake ups for your flights. You probably went to bed at midnight the night before, especially as you start getting older. I mean, it, it's a freaking grind on your body on, especially on your mind. Um, I can't believe you did that. I mean, I'm just shaking my head. Yeah. To, to, to just to grind that hard. I mean, you got to love the game on, on another level. That's, that's good for him, man. I mean, those are, that's an awesome story. It'd be so cool for him to get to play in Yankee stadium. Cause this yeah. stadium didn't even exist last time he was in the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah. He was looking at, he was on the taxi squad for the first trip. Didn't get, didn't get to play. Of course he wasn't even on the 40. So I, none of us thought he was going to get to play, to be honest. I mean, he had, he had, he had a great spring, but he's had a great spring the last three years. Said he's year. been the MVP of the team the last three years, but we just thought he's past the point where he's going to get a chance to play. But they had a couple of injuries, and when Ozzy went down, they're like, you know what? He's on the he's on the taxi squad. They got to have somebody from the five man taxi squad. Let's add him to the forty and give him a shot. And his wife and his mother found out. He told them he told them that night, Friday night after Snit. Snit was like almost crying as he told him because Snit loves the guy. Oh he had, yeah, he managed him two and a half years in, in Gwinnett. And he's all, and every spring he talks about this Kaz. Kaz, he has, he has him come back every spring and big, big league camp. Loves the guy. So Snit was almost ready to cry when he told him Friday night that you're coming up, man. You're playing. So he tells, he calls his mom, his wife in Arizona. His wife drops everything. She's at the, she's at their son's baseball, little, their five year old son's baseball game. They had in laws that had just arrived in town. So she says to the in laws, You've got the kid. I got to, I got to go. Her and her mom and his mom, who also lives in Arizona and Phoenix. They caught a red eye flight. They're in Chicago for the day game Saturday. They're in the stands with his grandparents who came down from Milwaukee or from West. That is so cool. They've been waiting years for yeah. this. They said, we're not missing this. There's no way I'm yeah. missing this. Got a red eye flight. And his wife, Jennifer, is a former Arizona state softball player that Sean met when he was in his first instructional league in Arizona. When he's with the Padres, he met her while she She's was still been down in school. the whole road. <laughs> she's been down the hole. She's the rock of the family. He says, he said, she's a saint. They've been married 11 and a half years. She quit her job as a school principal when she had the first kid. Cause she didn't want to leave the kid with somebody for 10, 12 hours a day while he's gone. She's at work. She quit her job, got an online job, works full-time online for an online university. That's allowed her to bring the kids, you know, first one kid, first herself, then one kid and come to spring training or come to a, uh, Gwinnett and she spends the season with him there. They live in an apartment by the ballpark right next to the ballpark. Now with two kids there, they had one before and he couldn't do this. He said, without, without her. I mean, obviously triple A players don't make much money as you know. No, no, man. I, I don't, I mean, it takes a special wife to go through that. <laughs> I mean, just, it's so hard. It's so much harder with kids, you know, pulling them in and out of school, traveling airports, all that stuff with kids. That's yeah. That's when it gets really difficult, and he just keeps going, man. That's. It's got a I don't even know what to say, honestly, because I know I don't have that in me. 
you know, I think I'm a tough guy, but I don't have that in me. Yeah, everybody's calling him Crash Davis, and he said, yeah, I get that a lot. He goes, but without all the home runs. Yeah. <laughs> but he's hit 12 yeah. and 11 home runs two of the last three years at, at Gwinnett. So, and then we saw it spring training. It was like he had three homers before anybody else on the team had two. Um, but, no, it's not a home run hitter. He's just a solid all-around player. But uh, he played – you know, he's not like Crash Davis in that he's not taking, you know, the romanticized, the bus rides down these two-lane rural roads in North Carolina – He's in the tri- he's in triple A for all these years. And in triple A nowadays, that means flying in a lot of these places, especially when he was in the PCL for the first half of that period. PCL's rough. PCL stretched out basically all over the country back then. Time so they're zone flying. Changes. He's playing at Tacoma. So they're like driving to Seattle to get a to get a plane ride to Memphis, New Orleans. And they're like not connect and they're not, not even direct flights, they're connecting flights. So and then when he's with Gwinnett, they fly everywhere except they take a bus to Durham and Charlotte, like three and six hour bus rides, but they fly everywhere else. So, but they're not flying charter like the team, like the Braves are. They're no, flying you get a middle seat half the time. I mean, a lot of times you're on like Southwest and you get yeah. sandwiched in between two people on their laptops or something. Yeah. You know, it's like, so, I remember when I was in AAA, I saw Barry Zito sit in middle and like he was doing something <laughs> similar. I was like, this guy's got 160 mil in the bank and he's sitting between two, you know, a mom and her kids in the middle seat in row 37. <laughs> like, what is going on? He always called it the jungle. He said, the jungle doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, he said, so I was talking to him about this. And I said, well, what does that involve? Like, what does that entail with flying? And what, like, when, when he was in the PCL, he's always up in the northern, in the northwest where you live. So they're flying all over the country, yeah, connecting flights. There's nowhere close, only Portland. Right. And they're traveling the day of the game. It's not like the big league teams flying charter. They're leaving after the night game, the getaway day, they're going out to dinner. Fir- you're going <laughs> you out to dinner house. <laughs> in New York at the new city. Going, let's staying at staying at the Ritz Carlton. You yep. know. Room don't service take in the their morning. Own bags anywhere. Everything's done for them. You don't it's touch anything. Triple A. Triple A. You grab a bag when you get off that bus. And the you- hotels are not the Ritz Carlton. They're not bad, but they're not the Ritz Carlton. They're like what does normal people stay it in? It could be the Ritz, or I mean, it could be something nice, or it could be you know Motel Six. It's whatever is close to the stadium, and they get a good deal on. You know, they're not splurging for you. So at Gwinnett, they're catching a bus to the to the Atlanta Airport. So it's like an hour. They're leaving at 4.30 in the morning sometimes, he said. And they're flying day of the game. So they're leaving at 4.30 in the morning. So that's get up at 3.30 at your apartment. And then they're going to another city. And then they're playing that day. I know. He said, I mean, you know, you, I always it, said, he goes, I always found that you, you're you okay that day. But you wake up day. the next day and you're like wiped out. And as yeah. you get older, that gets a lot harder. That's what I'm saying. I can't believe he's doing it. You know, it's not just the games and trying to make it and and trying to perform. It's literally like I remember one time we were in Colorado Springs. And and the thing is, just we had a day game, but you're not going to fall asleep at 10 p.m. Because on the baseball schedule, you're used to going to bed at midnight, 1 1 a.m., 2 a.m., right? And then you got a 4 a.m. wake up the next day. Drive your ass to the airport. You know, some guys are lucky enough they can sleep on the planes. You can't sleep on the plane. You get into your city. You got to get to the hotel. You got to do all the bags. And and you're also doing like, you're not getting the bags put straight onto the bus like they do in the big leagues. You're sitting there waiting on them to come around the carousel. You know, maybe there's a bag delay, yeah. whatever it is. You get to the hotel at like 2.30. And when they tell you what time you have to be at the park, you just like, the air just comes out of you. It's like, yeah, <laughs> bus is leaving at four. 
You know, so you get into your room and try to take a nap. You maybe fall asleep for 40, 45 minutes. You yeah. wake up feeling even worse because you didn't get enough. Yeah. So you're working on like, you know, three, four, five hours of sleep and you got a game that night. You got to yeah. perform. It counts. Your numbers count and you're trying to get called up to the big leagues. I mean, that that's what I'm saying. The mental stress of that, of trying to perform when you just feel like a bag of yeah. <laughs> crap, you know, it's like it's there's so much working against you the food sucks you know you get a peanut yeah. butter and jelly you, there's no food on the plane or maybe you know maybe southwest gave you some calzone or something that they reheated but yeah you're just you're just battling in triple a that's why guys come up to the majors and they're so appreciative and that's why uh you loved it when a big league guy comes down at rehabs right yeah, they buy you. Well. They get Outback Steakhouse, and they think yeah. it's like this yeah. really nice meal. I feel bad buying that. Like Outback kind of sucks, <laughs> you know, because you're used to eating such good stuff. But yeah, yeah, you buy a, you buy a spread, and they get to eat something other than the shepherd's pie the club he's been throwing out for the last six months, <laughs> and they're fired up. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a uh, just an unbelievable grind to, yeah. to, to do that year after year after year. That's and what it's I'm a saying. smart guy that could go yeah. make a lot of money if he wanted to get into another field, you know, and any kind of business or whatever. He can make the connection. You can make more had. money doing anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, he just he truly loves the game. Yeah. Truly. You have to. Love of the game. I'm now, jealous of guys like that. I'm jealous of guys that have that, that ability, you know, to just keep going. It's crazy. And, and I was talking to him how when he retires, He's going to know so many more players than your typical major leaguer does who plays 10, 15 years because yep. they constantly churn the roster. So he's met thousands Everybody. of guys yeah. playing with these yep. teams that have gone through that he's, you know, it's probably literally over a thousand guys, you know, met them on their way up, treated them well, met them on yeah. the way up. I look around the league when I retired, I knew somebody in every lineup that I could just yeah. text and hit up and say good game or something like that. And it's just falling off a cliff. You know, I know less and less guys now, even just after three years. So he's known all these guys coming up since, you know, in, in through AAA with like three different organizations and then spring training. He's been the last three years in spring training with the Braves. So he's, he met it. So he comes into the clubhouse and he knows almost everybody that he's played with in AAA or that he know in spring training. So I said, did you get an ovation when you came into the clubhouse? And he goes, well, not, 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 I got a lot of handshakes and hugs. He goes, but I was, but I came up to bat and I looked in the dugout and they were clapping. He goes, that meant so much. Yeah. Yeah, well, they appreciate it too. They've all been through that on their way up. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you look at how long he's done it, man. You almost got to be something's got to be wrong with you to be able to tolerate that. You know, I mean, you got to be special. Yeah, got to be a little crazy. So, I mean, my hope against hope is that he gets a start in Yankee Stadium would be amazing. I don't oh, think he will, but I love at least gets in a bat or two there. Hit a home run at Yankee Stadium. God, that would be then. Then you can make the movie. He'll cry. He'll, he'll cry around the bases. I bet. I yeah. mean. That's a dream right there, that especially after be everything tremendous. he's been through. He grounded into a double play, and it was almost like, who cares? You know, but yeah. you wish he could do something. Well, his kids stadium. got to see him go out on that field. You know, yeah. his one-year-old probably has no clue where he is, but the five-year-old yeah. can appreciate what dad's been doing this whole time and sit in a big league stadium. You know, also the pictures pictures he's getting after the games with his kids, at that they'll have that for the rest of their life. So really cool for him. Really yeah. cool. All right. Well, hey, by the way, we heard uh, we are going to get an update on Acuna today. So nice. I just got a message from Hope a brave person. One. Yeah. So um, I would say we'll hold on and keep doing this podcast, but it might be 30 minutes. So that won't work. So we'll uh, be looking, be looking on my uh, a Twitter feed and on the athletic site for an update. Uh, if it's significant, we'll, I'll write something. Otherwise, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll definitely tweet something about what happens. So. 
but it is coming up. We are going to get an update. Cool. All right. Hope it's well, we'll a good talk one. To you guys. We'll talk to you guys again on uh, Thursday. Yeah, probably Thursday. Yep. All right. And we'll have a Thursday or Friday, maybe after the two-game series against the Yankees. That's 755 is real, and we're out. Thanks. All right.